and uh, in a moment or two, we're going to go to Exodus 13. But we're just uh, rightly giving a sense. Not often we do this. We don't often use, uh, if you like, a video presentation. It's very rare. In fact, in nine years in arena, I can only remember us doing it one other time where, if you like, we took some ministry. The other time was Mark Batterson and the prayer circle where we took some ministry and then tried to appropriate that ministry through the platform of arena. Uh, and so we give due honor to Pastor Robert Morris Gateway Church in the States who lives in an incredibly revelatory grace regarding the blessed life. No doubt about it. I mean, bless him, he could travel around the world and forget his church and he'd have openings every week just to speak upon this subject. So I want you just to capture the sense of that tonight. We've listened to this in staff. We've sought to respond to it. I'll let you into a secret. He's had a few more pounds out of me since last year when I heard this ministry first time because God said to me, I want you to give more. It's just, you know, so I want you to know that I've received this to myself. When do you want me to start? The beginning of the tax year, last year. You know, I mean, God was, you know. So, so I want you to hear it in honor to him, but in the sense that we've sought to appropriate it. And of course, I'll seek to bring my own thing onto it as well. And some of the verses I've put in tonight are just, if you like, from my heart. But Christian has uh, well led us into the first couple of weeks. He talked about the heart. Everything flows out of the heart. Because out of the heart come the issues of life. And we talk a lot, we talk a lot in, uh, in leadership development about the heart. If you're going to work tomorrow and somebody's cussing and swearing and blaspheming, you don't need to be a genie, you don't need a word of knowledge to know there's something wrong with the heart. Because uncleanness is coming out. If, if somebody at work can't go five minutes without telling one of them jokes you'd rather not listen to, it's something to do with the heart. Out of the heart come the issues of life. And so the positioning for the blessed life comes from the heart and then the tests and I'm not going to go all through tonight another explanation of the tithe because Christian did it but the test we sometimes think the test goes away my experience is the test gets stronger it gets deeper God cuts deeper it might be that you know uh, you're on 10 quid once and it sort of seemed pretty easy to give a quid but God's blessing you're on a thousand quid a week now whoa yeah the test and the test keeps coming friends particularly when God whispers to you I want you to give more the test but tonight we're going to be talking about the first God first in our lives so Exodus 13 1 to 2 this is God speaking to Moses but a principle that carries right through into our everyday life not in terms of you know, sacrificing the animals, but the principle of the first. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine or it belongs to me. There's a bit more thing. No. Okay. It's mine. It belongs to me. Um, I'm not a... Greek or Hebrew scholar but I remember going to listen to a Greek scholar once teaching at the Christian Centre in Nottingham now Heart Church and he talked about the imperative tense and the emphatic tense well I've used it a couple of times in preaching so it's worth going and in the Hebrew when God's saying it is mine it is emphatic he's not sort of making a suggestion if I can say it friends he's making a demand the first is mine emphatically 
mine. It belongs to me. And I want us to understand that as God is first in our lives, it will bring us increasingly to that position of being blessed. Bible commentators talk about the law of first mention in the scriptures. And very often it becomes a thread that goes right through from Genesis to Revelation. That's why Genesis is such an important book, because there are so many firsts within it. And then, of course, the Bible speaks about the first. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, friends, is not a battleship coming from the skies to beam us back up to wherever we're supposed to be going. It's simply the rule of God over our lives. Not only saviour, but king. I wrote down six words from our recent annual uh, Assembly of God conference. And thank you for praying for us because it was an amazing time. We had a sound in worship, not just of a denomination, but a movement. Something happened. And one of the things that impacted me when we sang was the power of the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. Whoa. The rule of God, friends, in our lives. Well, when God's king, guess what? He comes first. Matthew 5, 24. First be reconciled to your brother and sister, then bring your gift. The power of reconciliation, of forgiveness, of oneness, of unity. Without giving anything away, we had a little situation in Manchester last week where two guys couldn't get it together and they couldn't bring their gift of service to the church. Now, we've worked it through and uh, uh, we get in there. And, of course, it was I won't tell you what it was over, but if it was important, it might have been worth it. But it wasn't. But it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's how the enemy works. This unity in the church, friends, has very rarely taken place over something important. The enemy allows it to happen over something trivial. So people look back and think, how could we have possibly got to this place? And if something goes wrong in a relationship, put it right. And put it right quickly. And if you were the person that caused the wrong, admit it, apologize, and apologize quickly then bring your gift to the altar you ever tried to lead worship somewhere where you realize there are lots of people in the church that aren't getting on and we're trying to bring our gift to the it doesn't work it's like stirring treacle because we need to be reconciled first and then jesus said in matthew 12 28 to 30 the first commandment is to love the Lord your God as yourself with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. It wasn't first because it had never been mentioned before, because he said hundreds of years before they were to love God. But Jesus was raised in the bar. It was first in its emphasis. It was first in its depth. It was first in its expression. And so the first of God. And when we live with God first, we find that everything becomes in order we position ourselves to more live in the way that God wants us to do don't forever be at odds with God arguing with God saying no to God no God no God no I can't do that because it just makes your Christian life hard work come to a place of yielding submitting and saying Lord you're first and then what about the blessed life the blessed life friends it's not speaking about ease 
comfort. Lying on that hammock between two trees in that garden that you wish you had. With the world passing itself by. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It could be that. But it could be, friends, that you're in the muck and nettles of life tomorrow morning. In a non-Christian environment. Listening to things you'd rather not hear. People pulling your leg over your faith, etc., etc. Facing challenges that, to, because you want to live in integrity and honesty. And God says you can still be blessed. You see, in the Bible, Matthew 5.10, people were blessed when they were persecuted. And people said all manner of evil against them. The Bible says in James 1.12 that people were blessed when they persevered under trial. It may be that you're in a trial at the moment. And, you know, the reality is of a local church, there's almost always somebody somewhere in the church in a trial. Somebody comes through, somebody goes in. Somebody walks out, somebody walks in. And so if you're in a trial tonight, you can still be blessed. God says, blessed are you when you persevere under trial. I don't know what it is, but God does. And I want, to, I want you to know that he will bring you through. And then we're blessed when we prevail even in death. Revelation 14, speaking about people that even would lay down their life ultimately for the cause. All around the world today, as uncomfortable as it may be, there are people experiencing all of those things and they're blessed. Now, Every other Tuesday, we're up at Manchester doing some teaching, just bringing some momentum to the church. And uh, as we've done in our own Arena Bible School over the years, I've encouraged people to read the Scriptures. It's just, you know, by the people who just enjoy reading the Bible, and people that wouldn't normally have a voice um, in terms of reading or taking part, they really enjoyed reading. So anyway, the hilarious thing is that we've got a lady in the church, and every time she read, it went on and on. And on. I says, wait, what Bible are you reading from? She was reading from the Amplified Bible. That's her Bible. Um, and the Amplified Bible, as suggests, amplifies. I'm amazed it's not this wide, you know. And uh, if you read Matthew 5, where it talks about all the blessed, the Beatitudes, then you'll find that every time the word blessed is meant, it gives this definition. I want to read it to you. He says that the definition of blessed is people that are blessed and happy and enviably fortunate and spiritually prosperous. That is, in the state of which one enjoys and finds satisfaction in God's favor and salvation regardless of outward conditions. The blessed life. Imagine reading Matthew 5 and saying that every time. <laughs> We're trying to get onto another translation, but it's not working. And the passion of this series is that we believe that as we bring our hearts, as we face the test, and as we make God the first, it positions us to be able to want to give something of what God has blessed us with back to him. Not because it's a conflict, not because we're doing it begrudgingly, but because we are increasingly positioning ourselves to live the blessed life. It's not even a bargaining chip, friends. It's not even saying, you do that, God, I'll do this, I'll do this you do that. 
It's just simply bringing ourselves to the place, saying, Lord, you're first. And letting the challenges and the responses of our heart practically follow after that. Now, three things briefly. And these things have been primarily uh, flagged up by Pastor Morris in his ministry on this particular subject. Let's read uh, Exodus 13, 12 to 13. If we could have it on the screen, please. Then you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The male shall be the Lord. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, you shall then break its neck. The first point is that the first must either be sanctified, sacrificed, or redeemed. And God gives us a picture here of a clean animal to be sacrificed, the lamb, and an unclean animal, the donkey or the ass, the hybrid, that is classed as, certainly in that culture, unclean. And the only way that that gift can be acceptable to God is when it's redeemed by an offering of the lamb. You may know where we're going with this because through the cross, the Bible reminds us that we were born spiritually unclean. You soon find that when little children are growing up, they say something like, me, me, me. And you don't have to steer them in the way of bad because they have a bias to go near that fire. They have a bias to grab hold of something that's not this. You steer them in the way of the good. We've all been born with a bias to wrong. Except one man, Jesus. Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb in the Bible speaking about cleanliness, wholeness, purity. And Jesus came, John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The clean lamb, Jesus, redeemed the unclean ass, if I could put it that way, the world, and bought it back with a price. And so, here's the truth. God made Jesus the first of his offering to the world that we might be redeemed back to him to have the privilege of giving to the Lord. Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ die for us it sets a principle of the first that as we have been redeemed back to the Lord and made clean we have the privilege of giving the first to God and a reminder friends of the tithe a tithe is not giving 10 percent a tithe is giving the first 10 percent unto God and the rest is blessed I'll come back or redeemed I'll come back to that later secondly The first must be offered. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, not on the screen. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first of your crops. Then your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow. I often used to misread this verse. Honor the Lord with your wealth. I used to be thinking, oh yeah, that's for the wealthy. As soon as the word wealth was mentioned, oh yeah, that's for them that got that. But the reality is, What we could put there is simply talking about our substance, our income, our resource. 
Yours may be very limited for all sorts of circumstances. And not only do we understand that, God does. But God's saying that if you will come to a place in your life of bringing the first to him, then you'll be blessed. Exodus 23, 19, that is on the screen, I think. The first of the first fruits of the land you shall bring to the house of the Lord. Where do we bring the first? We bring the first to the house of God. We bring it to the storehouse. And I can't find a Bible commentator anywhere that doesn't believe that the storehouse is the local church. Because there in Malachi 3, it says, where you shall have bread to eat. Bring what belongs to God to the house of God and and position yourself to be blessed on what is less. The first must be offered and then we believe that the rest that God entrusts us with will be blessed. That there may be food in the house. I've seen it, friends, where churches are played fast and loose with this scripture. They haven't honored the, the, the house of God and God's removed the food. God's removed the food. And five, seven, ten years later, they've woken up to the fact that there's no food in the house. The house is starving to death. The house has no vision. The house has no future. The house has no purpose. But when we bring our first to the storehouse, guess what? It continually causes the food to be in the house. Sustenance, blessing, all that we need for the purposes of God. In Genesis chapter 4, Back to the first, Abel and Cain, Cain and Abel were brothers and they both brought an offering to God. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, by faith, Abel brought a better offering unto God than Cain did. Don't have time to open it up tonight, but if you read in Genesis, you'll find that Cain brought an offering. That Abel bought an offering of the first that was more acceptable to God. Oh, I suppose I better give God something. You know, we put a fiver in and think, you know. But when you position your heart to say, God, you're going to have the first of my substance, the first of what I've got. God says, because it's always by faith. Abel brought a better offering and it was acceptable to God. You see, sometimes we think in this giving area, as we've already heard in another message, that the test of faith is going to go away. It's not. That's why we don't balk on it. Because every time we do it, we do it as an expression of our faith. But what are we called to do? We're called to live by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. It's by faith that we believe in God. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so everything begins to rise in the atmosphere of faith, when we begin to touch increasingly in this area, little wonder that giving churches that give to God first are churches that are blessed. <clears throat> the reality is, friends, that God couldn't accept any other offering because, not because he couldn't, but because, sorry, not because he wouldn't, but because he couldn't. See, God is, again, what theologians describe preeminent. He's above all, in all, and over all. And when we honor God with our first, 
We are bringing our worship to say, Lord, you're above everything, everything. And we bring our worship unto you. And lastly, the first is reflected in what we give unto the Lord. Leviticus 27, 30, the tithe belongs to the Lord. It's holy. It's set apart to the Lord. It's the first to leave our hands, not the leftovers. If you say, I'd like to give to God, but oof, God, God change them tires this month. There's nine birthdays in our family. It's going to cost me a fortune. You're going to have nothing left for God. It's not going to work. You're going to feel frustrated at the end of the month. But if you'll give the first to God, I don't know how it works, friends, but God will bless the rest. If you think, well, it's easy for you, Phil, it's not been easy for me. It's not been easy for me and Sharon. But we determined from that little plaque that we had in our uh, little living room in Skegness when we first got married that said, God first, that we would seek to honour God in this way by making him first. I can't tell you how it works, but when I first went to work, it shows you how old I am. It was 1971, the year of decimalisation. I won't even start to go into pound shillings and pence because we could be here a long time. But I went to work. My first wage packet, used to get those long white wage packets. Yeah. 6.75. That was for the week. 6.75. I know inflation's gone up a bit. <laughs> Terry Rossington said to me this morning, I can beat that. He said, it's mine with three pounds, two, two and six. <laughs> I wanted to put God first. I was a young Christian. I wanted to put God first. I didn't know as much theology as perhaps I've read in recent times. I wasn't a church leader. I was just a kid of a house in a state that went to church and loved God. It was about a 15 minute walk from our house to the church in the suburbs of Nottingham. I, I, honestly, I don't, I don't know whether I've ever heard a message on tithing. Any decent teaching on it? Probably not. But the reality is by the time I got from our house to the church, I was a tither. I, it's, I just said, okay, I was, that was it, you know. And has it been a test? Oh, you bet it's been a test. But we're so glad, friends, to have positioned ourselves into a place of saying, God bless us, as we make you first. The whole of Malachi is written with God's displeasure with people that were offering him seconds. Read it. That which was deficient. And his plea was, that people would give him the first. We're going to close. And we're okay. And in a moment or two, the band, in fact, Julie, I wonder if you'd just come and begin to just play now. Because I just want to draw our hearts to a conclusion. Christians used Pastor Robert over the last couple of weeks in the last part, but it was dollar cents and dimes in the illustration, and it was showing his mathematical expertise. I thought we'd leave it, you know. But there's one or two points I just want to communicate as we come to a conclusion about the heart, the test, and now the first. I wonder if we'll position ourselves to be blessed tonight by making God first in our responses to Him in a practical way with our finances, even when it's tough. And believe that God will cause us to come through. I wonder if we'll do it in a practical way. I don't know how it works for you, 
but you'll know that many people in our church give by standing order and they look upon that as the first going out of their bank account I, I don't do it like that I, I've chatted with Anne I like to bring mine to the church I know it's old fashioned I've still got a checkbook if you're under 18 I'll explain to you afterwards what one is May the 1st Arena Church that's how it works for me So, making it the first. And then I wonder tonight, I look upon our young people and I see their entrepreneurial skills. I, I, I see just what they carry. And there's definitely something in this generation of an entrepreneurial spirit that wasn't in mind. There's just absolutely no doubt about it. And when it's sanctified, when it's redeemed, when it's given to God first, I, I believe the sky's the limit. And please, I'm not saying this as hype. I wrote this down as a conviction in my heart. I really believe, and I'm going to use the words, that God's seeking to position people, even in our church, of a young generation, that will make millions. Yes, amen. And the reason he's going to do it is because he'll know that you'll give millions yes. for the work of God. And if that's a word to you tonight, you know that it resonates with you, but it seems so far off. Continue to live and walk towards it. Let's see what God will do. And then the final thing is, I want the final verses up, please, Rob, uh, Nick, uh, Chris, sorry. Uh, Exodus 13, 14 to 15. So it shall be that when your son asks you in a time to come, say, what is this? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And he goes on to say in verse 16, with his mighty hand. The last thing I want to close is that mums and dads, grandparents and I, uncles and aunties, you have the opportunity through making God first in your offerings to God to lay down a generational principle that others will pick up and pass on. Because the Bible's very clear here that the son comes to the father and says, Father, why are you doing this? Why are you offering the first to God? You may find a savvy teenager saying, Dad, what are you doing that for? It's a waste. What are you giving that to the church for? You could be giving it to me. <laughs> Dad reminds the son that we didn't always live like this. And the, son of that, uh, the father of that day will remind his son that actually there was a time when we are in Egypt making bricks under the heat of the sun beaten by the cruel Egyptian soldiers and then God came with a mighty deliverance from bondage, you know that Egypt in the scripture speaks of bondage uh, it speaks of repression of the need of deliverance when we were in Jacksonville we used to have a man that used to speak you know, one of these good local church speakers that would bring a good word now and then he got saved in the forces in Egypt and he never got through a message without reminding us that he'd been brought out of Egypt and so I want you to picture that Jewish man putting his arm around his son saying, son, this is why we give the first. Because it wasn't always like this. We didn't always live in blessing and security and purpose and freedom. There was a day back there when we were bound. You may remember the first video clip of two weeks ago when Morris talked about the fact to his shame that there was a time when he pushed drugs when one of his contemporaries had just recently died 
and how Jesus Christ invaded his life and that man has clearly never got used to being saved isn't that awesome just last week at the conference John Kirby the executive founder of Christians Against Poverty a great charity helping thousands of people in this country now recommended by Martin Lewis the financial guru on TV and radio and he says you don't have to be a Christian to contact them but John movingly and emotionally and vulnerably shared of his story that 25 years ago he went bankrupt he lost his marriage he had two little kids living in a hovel trying to survive he had a bacon cob for his Christmas dinner and then Jesus came into his life and delivered him out of Egypt and I said to him John you've never got used to getting saved are you it just pours out of you and here he was using his entrepreneurial financial skills redeemed back to God created this great organization called Christians Against Poverty and what I love about John more than anything it's not just his passion to get people out of debt it's his passion to see people come to Jesus Christ and last year Christians Against Poverty led 500 people to Jesus to make a personal decision to him it's not always like this and if a younger generation comes to you sometimes and says what are you doing this for it's a waste you could be doing it on this and doing it on that remind them the reason that we give the first is because he is the first he's preeminent over all he's lifted us out of darkness into light he's brought us out of bondage into freedom he's taken us from Egypt to Zion that's what he's done and therefore he's worthy to receive the best I encourage his friends to continually position our lives by giving our first to God even when sometimes it's so easy not to. If you'll make him the first, you set yourself off.